0: You go in with a big stick and then you can crack a joke later, okay?
1: Welcome to Coach Street, the premium podcast that brings you insider coaching conversations from the fast lane. When coaches need to shift gears, they come to the Coach Street podcast. Grab a coffee and buckle your seatbelts as host Andrea Lee from The Wealthy Thought Leader and Robin Logan from Coach Campus learn what drives the world's most successful coaches.
2: Hi everyone, welcome to Coach Street Episode 9. I'm Robin Logan here with my co-host Andrea Lee, bringing you a fantastic episode this week on Managing versus Coaching. Hi, Andrea. How are you? I'm terrific. I'm thrilled for this episode. I could have really used it a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's why it's so perfect. We could we could all use it running a business and being coaches at the same time. And just listener, just so you know, this is actually why we chose this topic. Because just before this call, Andrea and I were just having a little debrief on the challenges with um, being a coach and running a business. So. I'll just jump in and start with where I see the challenges are, and then we can uh, move into some of the experiences you've had recently. My experience is as a coach, coaching is all about empowering people, um, being positive, having people be self-directed in their learning, having people take responsibility for their own outcomes, client-focused, etc. So what I've noticed in my own personal experience in running a business is that my tendency is to manage with that approach. So, you know, I don't like to be the person who is the authoritative leader, um, demanding results and, you know, not allowing people to do their own thing. Like even for example, in the way our company is structured in work time, like it's not a nine to five company. And we actually find a lot of stuff when they first start with us have a challenge with that. They keep wanting to clock on at nine o'clock and tell me they're here and tell me, oh, I'm just going down the street for half an hour. And it takes a while to train people into the idea of, I don't really care if you well, I do. We all, we have a group chat going all day on Skype. And if you're on green, then you're at work. If you're not on green, you're not at work. What I care about is the result at the end of the month, but it's a very flexible, fluid arrangement. So my challenge has been, how to manage without losing that sort of coach approach. And it's a very, very fine line to walk, I think. So that's where I'm coming from for this topic. What about you, Andrea?
0: Yeah, it's similar. I think, you know, in a coaching environment, when you are the coach, you the dynamic is very clear. The client is the boss. You are the guide. Um, when you use a coaching approach in running your business, it can be a little blurry, like you are no longer letting somebody else be the boss, like your employees, your contractors, your team. They're not the boss of you. They don't get to dictate the agenda, <laughs> like your coaching yeah. clients do. Um, And so because of that, it can be a slippery slope for us who love to use the coaching approach. We can forget sometimes that a coaching approach still means, though, that as a boss, you have the authority and that you need to, you know, hang on to your authority um, and, you know, do so in a good style. You don't want to be, you know, a bully or anything like that. But um, the team needs to know who is the boss.
2: Yeah. And I think we cue now for the Malcolm in the Middle song, Uh, you're not the boss of me now. You're not the boss of me now. (laughs) You're not the boss of me now. I know, it's hilarious. And every time the kids have that show on television, I run into the room and start singing, I am the boss of you now. (laughs) I am the boss of you now. Just to remind them, and maybe that should be the induction for every new staff member. (laughs) (laughs) Sing that new song. (laughs) I am the boss of you now. But anyway, but jokes aside, like how to do that, how to – How to then have that authority without, you know, being a mean, horrible boss, how to be the boss of people, but also have them empowered is, is the tricky thing. It is tricky,
0: isn't it? And I think some of the distinctions, right, Robin, are certain things that are skills or tools in coaching are perfectly transferable, like 100%, like good listening, you know, asking great questions, um, communicating clearly and cleanly, those are You know, straight on great coaching skills and they're straight on 100% um, transferable to managing. Um, But then there are other skills that are more coach-like or there are other other requirements of the management position that cannot be 100% fulfilled through a coaching approach. Disciplining, you know, saying I asked for X, you didn't deliver X, therefore now there's a consequence. Yes. That's a management skill, not
2: a coaching skill. And I think it reflects the the difference in the power dynamic, don't you? Yeah, no, totally, totally. And I think that the point you raised, at, at, so you raised two things there. One is the, the skills that are transferable over to so the coaching skills that would work well for a manager, the manager as coach approach, if you like. And I think, you know, those things are, I mean, management is normally seen as being about telling, directing, giving, this is the outcome I want this is how you do it, whereas coaching's got more of a reputation as being you know more facilitating partnership, etc. But those are the skills I think that can be transferred. It can be collaborative. It can be you know asking using powerful questions rather than just telling. you can use all those things in managing. but I think you need a clear framework. That's what I think. That's what I've discovered anyway. It's the framework, the management framework, which is the things you're talking about, is really accountability, setting up some sort of accountability structure for actions and outcomes, which actually, I guess that's part of coaching too, isn't it? But um, well, let me give you an example. So here's one way that I do it. So, one of my pet hates as well in business, in organizations, is being asked for feedback and then not having that feedback used. So, I don't like, I'm really careful not to be collaborative and consultative if I already know what I want. There's no point in asking everyone and doing a big strategic planning session when I actually already know what I want. So that's the first thing. I don't do that. What I tend to do is if I already know what I want, is I put that out there. So I always like to start with putting out some sort of vision, some sort of leadership or direction for the company. And then I ask for consultation and feedback on that on that direction. So then people do get to feel ownership over it and, you know, it can change if some great ideas come up, then we, we change it. But it's really clear, though, that the organisation is run by me, not um, through a sort of, um, you know, client-directed, mm-hmm. <laughs> staff-directed approach. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is to try and... Break that up and, you know, you can use all sorts of things, words, you know, strategies, goals, targets, outcomes, whatever you want, but just to chunk it into really distinct projects with outcomes and then put as much effort as possible into communicating exactly what that end product would look like and being really clear on that, making sure the team is really clear on it. The clearer they are, the more able you are to then let everybody go and have more of a coach approach. With just and then setting the accountability structure for, you know, reporting or, or deadlines or things like that. So that's one way I do it.
0: Oh, Robin, it's so it's such a gem, and I hope everybody's really soaking it in. I think the um, the thing that I'd love to lift out a bit more is that it is the timing of it. You might think that you know, as a new coach and a new, newer entrepreneur, it's like, well, I have my opinion, but I'll let everybody else go first. Um, from a management perspective, that's actually really terrible. Um, yeah. If you let everybody else go first and then you actually have an agenda and then you just come behind and say, well, that's nice, guys, but this is actually how it's going to go, then all
2: of a sudden you look like, the, you know, the dweeb. It's so disempowering, isn't it? I mean, I've had it happen to me. I hate it. Why did you ask my opinion if you already knew? So
0: the timing of it, being not, not being as consultative but also... Stepping out in leadership and putting out the, the vision first. I think that's just the key, key, key word. Yeah. Really good stuff.
2: Yeah. And then I think the accountability and that I must say is something I struggle with because, you know, I, I'm actually, I understand when deadlines are not met, uh, which is sort of a strength and a weakness. I think you don't want to be one of those people that are just absolutely so fixed on a certain deadline and the the outcomes for that deadline, that you can't see something that might change in the environment. And in fact, just to segue off, I read a great book on holidays because, you know, I just had the most beautiful holiday in Bali where I did nothing but read and swim. <laughs> i just like to mention that. But I read this great book, Simplicity, The How Things Are Done at Apple. I've forgotten the exact title. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I think vaguely, but I don't know the title exactly either. Exactly, yeah. Well, I'll just segue off and and talk to you a bit about this because what was really interesting was that I read the Steve Jobs biography last year when it came out and I got about halfway through it and I had to put it down because I just couldn't stand to be in that man's headspace for one more minute. He was just horrible. He was just, well, in this book, in this book, he was portrayed that's the really big fat one, the bio of him. He was portrayed, portrayed as this ogre, you know, tyrant who would just walk into meetings after people had spent months preparing documents and plans and then just go, scrap it, we're not doing that, that's hopeless, you know, get have people in tears, all sorts of things, right? And, you know, portrayed as this sort of like creative genius, isn't, isn't it fantastic, you know, look at the guy he was. I couldn't stand reading it. But the book I have been reading, I've got the title now, Insanely Simple, The Obsession That Drives Apple's Success. And one of the things that, and it's written by Ken Siegel who worked with him, so it's a completely different perspective and a very interesting one and it's a great read. And it really shows a style of management that I think, although probably could be a bit softer, I think Steve Jobs probably could have had a little bit more of a coach approach, what he wasn't afraid of was plans that change. So it was completely okay at any point for anyone to walk in and say, you know, they might be working on an ad campaign that had been, you know, completely locked down, but they could walk in and say, actually, I had an idea last night. I really think it should go in this direction. And he was completely fine with doing that. That doesn't often happen when people get over-invested in the accountability structures, you know, like big companies where they put – they put the plan in place and it's all on paper and then you've got your goals, your strategies, your outcomes, targets. Then it goes to all the stakeholders and everybody agrees with it. Then it comes back and goes up to the next level of management and that gets endorsed and then that becomes the plan and then you can't change the plan. So, you know, I try and do that, that walk that line between not being like that and being flexible and being able to change completely about face and completely lose a month's work if if we all think that's a good idea, but at the same time not be doing that all the time. Yeah, So. so good. That sounds like a fascinating book. Yeah, it's really good. And the simplicity thing, just keeping things simple, it's just, I mean, I don't know about you, but I find that such a challenge and I always have to watch about being over complex, letting complexity come in. Um, you know, there's great stories in there where, you know, a piece of software, the uh, Final Cut Pro, the video editing software, they Apple bought from another company this color grading plug-in to add to the software, which normally filmmakers will pay $20,000 just for that. And so they went through this whole process of designing two boxes and two brand names. And he just came into the meeting and just went, right, no, just get it, put it in that box there. We're just selling it like that, one box. Just give it to them. Because it's cheaper and easier to just give it to them and just have one product to sell rather than have to do the marketing and advertising and stock keeping of two products.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. I have another thought about this managing versus coaching. Um, Have you noticed, Robin, in running our businesses? Because of course, you know, you have a team of how many people there now? And I'm running a team of like three or four, you know, and several subcontractors and such. Managing is quicker. Coaching <laughs> takes longer. It
2: takes longer. <laughs> yeah.
0: It, just ta- it takes a lot longer, and you might, in certain circumstances, be able to get to your desired result, like do a performance review
1: mm-hmm.
0: or get, add, add responsibilities to a person's um, plate. And you could get there through coaching. But managing being much more black-and-white and directive um, it's almost like managing is like a list of bullet points, and coaching is like an essay, like yep. a q and a um and that's one of those things that, as an entrepreneur, as you seek to grow your coaching business, you know especially when you start getting into like some good income like thirty forty fifty thousand up to six figures, your time is at such a premium you you're not gonna want to always have a coaching conversation around every single thing,
2: yes, yes. Absolutely. And particularly, you know, for coaches that are growing their businesses and employing those first few people, like maybe someone to do their website or somebody um, like a VA or something like that, you know, you do want to have a great relationship. So you, you do need to connect with that person on a human level. But really, I agree, it does take a long time. And well, and it's it's different too, because when you're coaching a client, it's okay to take a long time because it's better for it to take longer, but to come from the client and therefore they will own it and it will actually happen, than happen quickly and the client really isn't, you know, on board. So it's sort of a very different paradigm. Whereas in the management paradigm, really, you are wanting to get things done as quickly as possible. And, and, you know, it can, you don't have to be Steve Jobs, <laughs> horrible. Mm-hmm. It's I think something you said earlier before we um, hit record, the, the thing you're talking about being a clear communicator. I think that's a really key piece of the puzzle, particularly at the beginning of any relationship, really being able to communicate clearly what your expectations are and probably in writing is a good idea.
0: And then it's curious because I know some of our listeners may be more veteran coaches. I know I suffer from this. Coaching has really be, you know started to kind of really integrate with your identity. You know, it's not so much that you're a coach, capital C, but that the way you are, there's like a coaching personality, you know. Um, and managing, on the other hand, there really is a, there's some management-type personalities, but I think what helps me most is to remember that being the boss or being the manager is a job, it's a role. Whereas being coach-like can be part of my personality, so the difference helps me because you know if I'm having to have a tough conversation as the boss, and I can be that tough boss when I need to, um, but it doesn't mean that I am that person. And yet I can yeah. still be that coach-like person that you know I cherish as part of my identity. Yeah. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And you know that also highlights that there is a role for coaching in organizations as well for staff. You know, like in-house coach programs and particularly in companies you know the di- the difference though and this is another key difference you don't you, you the power relationship between a manager and a staff member is always there like you have, you're employing that person and no matter how friendly or coach like you appear to be you can always let them go the next day for whatever reason so there's a power dynamic there so that's not the same. that's not a coaching relationship and a good coaching relationship is objective and not with with no vested interest. Your coach should not have a vested interest. Whereas as a manager, you've totally got a vested interest. Like you really want that person to perform to their peak, you know, not just for them, but because it's got the better outcome for your business. So I think just being clear on the differences there and, you know, coaching is also fantastic for staff to have probably best done by a different person.
0: Mm, that's really nice. And I think a good question to address here as we you know, kind of wrap up and then let's do some spot the coaching because that's our fun favorite way to end it here. Is that when do you know, how do you know when you should manage and when you should coach? You know, you're building, whether you have just like one VA. Um, virtual assistant, and you're saying, okay, great, I get the differences a bit here through this podcast, Um, when do you know? And so it's interesting because there are varying ways you could approach this. Um, My opinion is that it's good to flex and start from the more disciplinary or authoritarian role and soften from there. So, you know, it's kind of like my husband used to be a substitute teacher and it was always like when you're a substitute teacher, you go in with a big stick and then you can crack a joke later, okay? You do not try and crack a joke at the beginning of the class or it's all over. So it's like like, be a manager first appropriately within your business in the role where you are, in fact, the manager. And then, you know, as the relationship develops and different interactions occur, yeah, you can be more coach-like. Um, So err on the side of management, I
2: would say. What what would you say? Yeah, I like like that too. I I use the start as you mean to go on approach as well. But I'm just wondering, with your dog, Oz, is that how you did it? (laughs) With my dog. (laughs) Because that's what I think. I always think like with dogs and children, that it's a great place to practice your management skills. And practice being, okay, I'm going to really set some clear boundaries here. And then once they learn those, then of course it's okay to just you know come in through the dog door if you like or whatever. <laughs> you are so right. So everyone gets to practice,
0: and you know we yeah. can do a spot the coaching in future around trying to coach our dogs to do things. Yes. But, um I love that. I think that that's absolutely yeah. true.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, seriously, that our dog trainer, the the woman we came to train our dog, she is unbelievable. I just watch her and just, I'm in awe of her very clear boundaries and very, um, I guess you'd call her a benevolent dictator in the style of management. I said to her when she left, listen, can you come back and do my kids as well? (laughs) (laughs) I bet she gets that a lot, actually. (laughs) She does. She must. She must. Anyway. So Spot the Coaching.
1: And now, Spot the Coaching.
2: So Spot the Coaching, I have one this time, this episode, from our beautiful Bali holiday. And it's about when we were returning. Now, Australians will know this, but most of the flights out of Bali into Australia are midnight flights. Well, they used to be midnight, but people got confused about midday and midnight, so they made them 11pm. So it's painful, and a lot of people with young children flying back at that time. So we were there, got to the airport, and our kids are pretty tired and our daughter Tilda went to sleep which is fine we thought oh, we'll just wake her up in a few minutes but then what happened is they delayed the flight to like 12 30 or one o'clock in the morning so by that stage she'd had like two or three hours sleep and there's a particular thing about Tilda ever since she was little if you wake her up in the middle of a deep sleep she just goes nuts like seriously it's sort of some state of like she's actually not really awake so she she'll scream and kick and It's very difficult. So we were like, oh, what are we going to do when it comes time to board? And then it got worse. They announced the boarding gate and they changed it to the gate at the furthest end of the airport. Mm. So we're both sitting there looking at our bags and thinking, okay, well, we can sort of wake Ryder up. He can drag a bag half asleep, but what are we going to do with Tilda? So what we did, we both noticed this sort of like kitchen trolley outside the kitchen, (laughs) sort of like one of those ones (laughs) that you put, you know, all the drinks on and move them off. And so I just said to Deb, you know, I'm just going to get that. I'm grabbing that trolley very purposefully. I walked over like I was meant to get it, pulled it over, but it didn't work. Within two minutes, I got a tap on the shoulder and it's the guy from the kitchen and he's like, oh ma'am, I'm sorry, that trolley, you cannot have the trolley. (laughs) So I started to and I was really grumpy, like it's, you know, one in the morning. I started to argue and then I just went, hang on a minute, this is not going to work. What I need to do here is work out what's really going on for him. And this is the coach, this is where the coaching bit comes in. So I just jumped below the surface conversation and started to ask him questions. And from that, I worked out that his main concern wasn't about breaking the law and kids not allowed on trolleys and Safety or anything. His main concern was that if he didn't get that trolley back to the kitchen, he would get the sack. So once I worked that out, I changed the conversation. Went, okay, great. Well, look, I hundred percent promise I'll bring this trolley back. In fact, you can come with us. And he was so happy with that that he said, Oh, I'll, I'll help. I'll help. And he took the trolley from me and wheeled her. And it was quite good because it was one of those, you know, those like the supermarket ones where the legs are really weird. Like it's not meant to have sleeping children on it so him doing it was a hundred times better and he wheeled it the whole way for us and not only that when we got there by that stage we were such good friends chatting all the way down the the airport um when we got there he ran into his friends at Garuda and grabbed a wheelchair for us we transported her to the wheelchair then of course when we approached the gate because she was in wheelchair, was a wheelchair that was this was a little bit funny actually they just <laughs> They pulled us through to the front of the thing. And I was trying to say to them, oh, she can walk. They're like, oh, no, 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 wheelchair, wheelchair. (laughs) So we all got to board first. And actually that was a little bit embarrassing because then I was like, what are we going to do in the morning where she jumps up and, you know, all of a sudden she can walk. (laughs) Anyway, we decided just to run with it. And we just in the morning, we just went, you know, it's a miracle. See, it is a miracle because it was a coaching
0: approach that led to this like beautiful, smooth boarding and the whole thing. And what a great example of coaching happening in real life out in the wild, um, where well, we don't even notice because um, you know it's coaching out on the street, Coach
2: Street. Yeah. Coach Street, Coach Flight. <laughs> it was great. You know what? I'm going to put the picture up in this episode so people can see. There's a photo of her on the trolley.
0: That would be really fun.
2: Yeah, that's really, really funny. fun. So there you go. Well, that's a wrap for another episode, episode nine. We're coming up for episode 10 with another juicy topic. We don't even know what it is yet, do we? Exciting. Yeah, very exciting. You never know what's going to happen
0: on Coach Stream.
2: You never know. I love okay. it.
0: Well, it's been fun. Well, Thanks,
2: Robin. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
1: If you want to become an accredited coach, drop Robin a line at robin@coachcampus.com. At or visit www.coachcampus.com. If you want to build your own successful coaching business, drop Andrea a line at Andrea at WealthyThoughtLeader.com or visit www.WealthyThoughtLeader.com. Did you find this podcast helpful? Swing by iTunes to let us know your thoughts.